Good evening. Today is Wednesday, June 1st, 2022, and we are studying the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. This week's chapter is We Agnostics, and our speaker tonight is Laurie C. Thank you, Laurie. Thank you very much for having me. It's, it's a privilege to be able to speak to, to this group, a privilege to carry the message to anyone. Uh, uh, but this is a very close to my heart. Uh, the chapter We Agnostics, the issue of agnosticism and atheism, is a very important one to me. I, I grew up as a third generation uh, secular Jew. My grandparents uh, rejected the religion of their, of their parents. And uh, my, I, we lived with my grandparents and my parents. And um, I never ever believed in a deity of any kind. Um, it was hard to un understand the concepts uh, in the big book, because they're written not only from a Judeo-Christian, they're really written from a Christian perspective, uh, generally speaking. So sometimes I had real trouble with the language. And it wasn't helped uh, that the chapter we agnostics read to me like uh, second-rate philosophy. You know, I studied a lot of philosophy that didn't read like that. But that was my first seven years in the fellowship uh, as I sort of looked at it, and I, I had my own answer to the issue of a higher power, but I had, I had always sort of rejected this chapter. When I began to study the big book in earnest and began to see how significant certain passages in it were and that I had misunderstood it, I decided to relook at this chapter and reanalyze it and see if I could see in it the greatness that I saw everywhere else in the big book, and I, and I did. So I hope to be able to share some of that with you. Um, for those who are religious or who believe in some kind of God, some kind of deity that actually can make things happen in this world, not just in the heart, but can do things in this world, um, people who have some religion of some kind, uh, or even a, no a notion of a creative spirit, um, you might wonder why you have to read this chapter, uh, because it is addressed to agnostics and atheists. An atheist is a person who doesn't, who knows there is no God, an agnostic is a person who isn't sure whether there's a God or not. Um, I'm an agnostical atheist and an atheistic agnostic. I know from my studies of philosophy, you cannot prove the existence or non-existence of God, but I don't believe in one. Uh, so I'm sort of, I just don't believe in one. Uh, so why, why would someone who does believe in a God read this chapter? And there are two major reasons. The first is that you have to know how to talk to people like me and, and other people who have these issues relating to, to a God that they have difficulties with. It may be a God they're afraid of, a uh, God they grew up to resent, um, or it may be someone, uh, 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 the absence of a God. And you have to know the arguments because in step 12, our... Uh, task is to carry the message to those who still suffer, not those who believe what we believe. And we have to carry the message that, you know, I, I have had the privilege of sponsoring people with deeply orthodox uh, beliefs from a Christian and a Jewish and even, even Muslim. Um, and it doesn't matter to me and it obviously doesn't matter to them uh, because the whole point, and this is the second reason why anyone who has a religious uh, belief should read this chapter, is that towards the end, it explains why if you believe in a God, you haven't been able to deal with your addiction. You haven't been able to overcome your compulsive eating. And I'll save that as a suspenseful moment in this, what will be kind of an analytical 
uh, analysis. I'm going to start sharing my screen, and I want to apologize ahead of time. This is the actual copy of the big book I use when I give, when I do my big book studies, so that it has notations that I will not necessarily explain. Uh, but uh, it's the best version I have uh, that I can actually um, look at. So I'm I'm now sharing my screen. I hope you can see it, and I hope it makes uh, some sense. So this is the chapter we agnostic. And I'm going to go through a few parts of it. So what a point, and, and I owe a lot to Joe and Charlie, the uh, the three AA speakers, uh, two Joes, one Charlie. First of all, the first paragraph, Joe and Charlie point out that AA has a pamphlet called 44 questions to ask if you're, to see if you're an alcoholic, and OA has our 15 questions to ask. The big book has two. If when you honestly want to, you find you cannot quit entirely. That's the mental obsession, the, the idea that our mind keeps sending us back to that which causes our cravings, that which we have to abstain from. Or if when drinking or if when indulging in things that cause us cravings, we have little control over the amount we take. That's the physical craving or called by some uh, the allergy of the body. You're probably alcoholic. If you have one or both, one or one of either of these two, you're probably. If you have two, you are. And this whole notion of the once we start, we can't stop, and we can't stop from starting, is essential to an understanding of what it is that the twelve steps do. They give us the sanity so that our mind no longer gives us permission to return to that which we know we should never return to. Um, and the, the, the big book has spent a number of chapters giving examples of the inane reasons, the insane reasons we have used to persuade ourselves that this time it'll be different or this time it may not be different, but it's okay because we deserve it in some way, um, that we cannot control our own minds and we have to find a power greater than ourselves. So that, I just wanted to point that out. It's really an important point. Um, on the next page, page 45, they say, our human resources as marshaled by the will were not sufficient. They failed in utterly in two ways. One is once we start, we can't stop. We can't, you know, my whole life was I'm, the next bite I'll stop. The next bite will be my last. The next bite will be my last. It never was. That's not my real problem. If I have this physical aspect to me or the equivalent of the physical aspect that once I start, I can't stop. If I were sane, I just wouldn't start. I mean, it would be it would be that simple. And yet, and it is for so many people. There are many people who don't need the 12 steps. All they need to know, there's some diets around. All they need to know is, well, um, I can't eat this stuff. Well, why would I eat it? Uh, I can't. So, uh, but me, I don't have that. I can't remember. My mind is so confused that I can't remember. So they say lack of power, that was our dilemma. We had to find a power by which we could live and it had to be a power greater than ourselves, obviously greater than our own minds because we cannot control our minds. Obviously the second smallest, second shortest sentence in the, in the big book. But where and how were we to find this power? Well, that's exactly what this book is about. Its main object is to enable you to find a power greater than yourself, which will solve your problem. Not which will help you solve your problem, but which will solve your problem. 
And this gets me into this whole anthropomorphic notion of some kind of puppet master who will suddenly go, bang, you know, you're healed, you know, or something like that, which was tough for me to read, but I did. They say, well, now we talk about God, how are we gonna deal with it? And then page 46 is what Bill learned from Ebby, which was all we have to do is express a willingness to believe in a power greater than ourselves we commence to get result. We have to be, and we didn't have to consider anyone else's conception of God, our own conception was sufficient. If we admit the possible existence of a creative intelligence, admit the possible, I'm highly skeptical, I still am. 29 years of abstinence, 29 years of having the miracle of sanity, and I haven't had the need for any kind of creative intelligence or spirit of universe. Haven't had the need, and I'll talk about why that is. But the realm of spirit is broad, and here is their attempt. It isn't a good one. I can tell you, speaking as an agnostical atheist, it ain't that good. Top of page 47, they're trying to say anything you come up with that's good enough for you is good enough for us. We're not trying to do anything more than that. Don't let your prejudice stand in the way of using your own ideas rather than ours. I need that. I wish they had expressed it differently, I, you know, but that they're clear about that. So I can choose as my own conception, any conception I have of some power greater than I am. Um, and now they go on to page 48. Why should we believe in a power greater than himself? They give three reasons. And this is where I began this analysis because it's pretty good argument. It's a pretty good argument. I have a friend who's a, a retired philosophy professor who says it's not that great an argument, but it's good enough for me. And that's, you know, and uh, so the first one found in the middle of page 48 starts there. A theory is worth believing in if it is grounded in fact. It's a scientific reality. We believe in theories. Um, when Newton uh, discovered the laws of gravity, we believed in gravity. When Einstein put them on their head and came up with something that I'm not sure I understand, but linked gravity to something else, um, energy, uh, waves, I don't know what. Um, we changed our theories to accord with different facts. But as, as facts go, there's a clear theory. We have a problem, the same, and, and you have the same problem that we have if you identify with us. The theory is that if we work the steps, we will be relieved of that problem. The fact is, we have been relieved of that problem. And we were just like you, a theory grounded in fact. And they talk about that on pages 48 and 49. We beg you to lay aside prejudice, they say. Whatever the human frailties, faith give purpose and direction. Fine. They say in our personal stories, you'll find a wide variation in the way each teller approaches and conceives of the power which is great in himself. Yeah, it's not that wide a variation, especially in the first edition of the big book. Uh, the first, because it, 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 it was wide if you consider the, the, you know, the spirit on the one side and sort of moderate Christianity on the other, and in between is, is the variation. But there's a lot more variations now in the fourth edition of the big book, the story's there. Um, but they say this, on one proposition, page 50, these men and women are strikingly agreed. Every one of them has gained access to and believes in a power greater than himself theory. This power has in each case accomplished the miraculous, the humanly impossible 
fact. And that is true for me as well. For 29 years, I have not been tempted to return to that which I abstain from. And that is a miracle for me. It's not for my wife or for many of my friends, but for my friends in OA, it's the same miracle. I don't want the stuff that can be in front of me and not want it. I, 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 well, I could go at length, but I threw out a really good looking jam buster yesterday. It, it seemed fresh, but I didn't want it and it had been left by my, uh, by my grandsons. I just threw it out. As a matter of fact, I even wiped it off. I didn't want a, the, the, the feeling of it on me. And this sense of sort of nausea rather than temptation is just a miracle. So again, here are thousands of men worldly indeed, since they've come to believe in a power greater than themselves, to take a certain attitude toward that power, the steps, and to, and to do certain simple things, the steps, there's been a revolutionary change in their way of living. This happened soon after they wholeheartedly met a few simple requirements, the steps. Um, when many hundreds of people are able to say that the consciousness of the presence of God is today the most important fact of their lives, they present a powerful reason why one should have faith. A theory that works is worth believing in, or at least trying. Uh, I must say that they say that the consciousness of the presence of God is the most important thing, not abstinence. Uh, and the reason is that if you have the consciousness of the presence of your own higher power, you will be abstinent because you will not want to indulge in that which you abstain from. I take abstinence for granted because I work on the consciousness of the presence of my higher power. That's the first argument. Second argument, second reason, a willingness to change beliefs leads to being able to do things that were hitherto thought impossible. And that's a scientific reality too. There's even studies been done on, on how scientific uh, inventions and innovations are done. And it all comes from thinking outside the box. You know, Galileo thinking outside the idea that the sun uh, that the earth revolve that the sun revolves around the earth the earth and the stars revolve around the sun um, uh, there was all kinds of scientific proofs according to the New York Times that you could never have a heavier than air flying machine one week after an editorial appeared in New York Times saying it'll never happen to uh, bicycle mechanics uh, uh, who, who didn't read the New York Times flew a heavier than air uh, flying machine so that's the second one. And they point out in the bedevilments on page 52, all these feelings, uh, all these feelings that we have that just don't work for us. Why don't we try something new? And, and that's a reasonable argument. Try something new. Um, can't, you know, there's the old uh, the Jewish joke about chicken soup of a person who dies, an actor who dies on stage and they say he's dead and someone's yelling, give him some chicken soup. And the man is dead, can't hurt. You know, so it's that whole concept. How can it hurt? What have you got to lose by trying the steps? We all say that the steps give us a connection to our higher power. Why not try it? Um, I'm running out of time, I see. Oof. So that's the second one. But the, the third argument is the one that really makes sense. And that is this. We have, we are worshipers. We've worshipped people, sentiment, things, money. We've worshipfully beheld the sunset of the flower. Who of us had not loved something or somebody? And how much do these feelings, these loves, these worships have to do with pure reason? Little or nothing. But were not these things the tissue out of which our lives are constructed? My first sponsor, bless him, 
ask me the simple question, is there anything more important than you are? And my, the answer came pretty quickly, within a, a day or so, love. I would die for my wife, I'd die for my kids, I'd die for my grandkids. And that's not logical, it's not reasonable. Uh, you know, a reasoned person would survive, try to survive, I would not. And I'd like to think that love is, will survive beyond me. The same with truth and justice, uh, social justice from, from my point of view, and, and beauty. These are things that I would like to leave a little bit of in the world because my life is limited. My time is limited on this earth and I would like to leave them uh, in the minds of other people. So they are more important than I am and that is my higher power. And when I, when I say I get direction from them, for me, it's like a compass. It's not someone pushing me from behind, a scriptures or some uh, person who interprets the scriptures from a religion, pushing me to go in a certain direction. It's a compass pulling me. It's the true north that's pulling me in that direction. I, I'm being pulled towards truth, love, justice, and beauty. The compass has 360 degrees. 359 of them are Laurie's way. And one of them is the way of truth, love, justice, and beauty. And if I can go between five degrees one side and five degrees the other and sort of meander my way towards truth, love, justice, and beauty, I think I'm doing pretty well. But when I was in my addiction, I was 180 degrees. And when I'm in all just my willpower, even if I'm absent, but I still want things to go my way, I'm often 45 degrees or, 100 and, or 225 degrees. But if I work the steps, I am working towards what I deeply believe in. Last but not least, the big book points this out. So that's my higher power. Page 55, actually we were fooling ourselves for deep down in every man, woman, and child is a fundamental idea of God, a power greater than yourself. It may be obscured, blocked by calamity, bad things that have happened, by pomp, a sense of self-importance, by worship of other things, people's opinions, money, power, but in some form or other, it is there. We finally saw that faith in some kind of God was part of our makeup. Sometimes we had to search fearlessly, searching in fearless, more limited, but he was there. He was as much a fact as we were. We found the great reality deep down within us. Here's the reason why Good people morning. who believe, two minutes. Here's the reason why people who believe in a God can't get rid of their addiction and, and why I couldn't, even though I believe in some things that are fundamentally true. I am blocked from the sunlight of the spirit. The blockage, the pipeline between what I deeply believe in in my heart and how I think and act through my head is blocked. And all that the steps do, all, everything that the steps do is unblock that connection so that I, I am living, thinking and acting according to the power that I deeply believe in, whether whatever kind of power that is. And for me, it's the abstract ideas of truth, love, justice, and beauty, but it can be a specific kind of God. One way or the other, that blockage is removed as long as I continue to work the steps and I am thinking and acting according to what I believe in. Well, there are two results of that. One is I live a better life uh, and I'm calmer and serener and I'm saner. That's the second thing. I am sane and being sane, I look at the stuff that I know is bad for me and say, why would I indulge in that? It's, it's poison to me. It's not poisonous to someone else. So the being in harmony with what I deeply believe in, unblocking that blockage of, in the pipeline, 
gives me both a spiritual awakening, which is that I am now connected to what I deeply believe in, and also gives me the sanity promised in step two that deals with my problem, my addiction, that's described in step one. And I think that's my time. So thank you very much for listening to me. Thank you so much, Lori. I'll stop sharing. Wonderful share. We'll now open the meeting for questions or for three-minute shares. As this is a big book study, sharing and questions should relate specifically to the chapter and step being studied this week. We ask you to accept this guideline in order to keep the meeting, the meeting on track. If you'd like to share or ask a question, please raise your virtual hand, which is under reactions or star nine if you're on the phone, and the Zoom host will call the raised hands in order and ask you to unmute when it's your turn. Would the timekeeper please set a timer for three minutes for each share and announce when time is up? If the speaker is asked a question, please allow three minutes for the answer. Started with Roby. I'm not sure why it's not allowing you to unmute. Here, now I am, sorry about that. Okay, thank you, Lori, that was great. Um, okay, I wanna be brief because I bet a lot of people have burning questions too. Um, so I don't really know if I'm an agnostic or not. Um, and I guess I want some help with that. Um, as I see it, like at my, how I've evolved in program is getting a little more comfortable using the word God because my definition of what God is has expanded. Um, it started with just principles, but it's not convenient to talk about truth, love, justice, beauty, patience. Mine is a big long list. These things, gratitude, these things that I know are bigger than me that I can rely on and they get me through situations. They prove it over and over. And that's how I've come to believe in a, in a thing I'm starting to call God. I'm married to an atheist and it's, he's watched me evolve. And I've, I, I tell him, look, if, it's like you've got two people that they each use a tractor to plow the field. And one of them talks to his tractor and calls him Bob. And the other one just says it's his tractor, but they both do really good things with the field. Does it matter if one personifies the tractor and the other doesn't, I could probably get tips from either one. And so that is kind of where I am with, I say, yeah, I believe in God. Um, God is good. And I believe in good. Um, but I'm not sure I, so do I have to believe and I'm, I'm not, is, is it, is, is there a, do we even know, like, does anybody really believe in, a, in a, um, okay, I'll retract that. Um, do, do we know um, really the definition of an agnostic versus a believer? Is, is there, what's the line? Um, and then, uh, and thank you for existing because I think you did help me to to formulate my concept and I'm, I'm, it was such a relief to have one to know that I, I have a concept um, uh, that, that's all I want to say I think I've lost sight of what my question is but I, I do want to thank you thank you I love the tractor analogy I, I don't care anymore about the use of the word God I, I say yeah. the prayers the way they're written just as part of a tradition but uh, yes I, that's very well put thank you I, I can tell you what the definition of agnostic or atheist is because there is a definition of what a deity is, but that's a technical thing. It means nothing in this fellowship. 
I had a very good friend in the program who was a Mormon. We each talked about God. <laughs> and our gods were really different. Thank you, Roby. And thanks for your answer, Lori. And next up is Subin, followed by Nancy P. Okay. Oh, let me start my timer. Thank you, Lori, for your informative share. Um, my question to you is, so my concept of a higher power is, I'm not an atheist or agnostic, but I don't believe in this being that like comes and removes my defects from me. So like in the big book, for example, it says like, um, above everything, we alcoholics must be rid of the selfishness. Uh, and there often seems no way of entirely getting rid of, rid of self without his aid. Says neither could we reduce our self-centeredness much by wishing or trying on our own power. We had to have God's help. When step 10, it says, you know, when these crop up or character defects, we ask God at once to remove them. So like I've had a sponsor who says like, you know, you can't get rid of your defects on your own. You have to ask God for help. But if my higher power, if that concept is not like a being that comes and removes this from me, like how do I, how do you work? How do you work that? I can translate. I can give you a translation. I no longer use that translation, but the translation in my mind is something like this. I trust that focusing on truth and love and justice and beauty will cause me to remove the defects of character in which I try to be in charge of the world and it doesn't go my way. The more I treat life as a transition, the more I treat life as, as, a, as a passenger on the voyage rather than the captain, the more I live according to what I deeply believe in. And, 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 and that's it. And, and, and if you, I can translate that into God has removed my defects of character for the second, for the moment. But it's, it's really that concept. It's trusting that believing, that uh, uh, connecting yourself with what you deeply believe in, removing the barriers, will give you a way of living that takes away the defects of character. You'll understand the, the mistakes you've made. You'll make up for those mistakes. You'll clean up your past and you'll live a different life in the present. You'll be able to live in the present without trying to control the past, live in the past or control the future. So it's, it's just words. I, I really do think it's just words. And, and, and we are given permission, there's no question about it, to believe in what we want to believe in. One of the problems we have in, in our fellowship, I'm sure many others, is the righteousness of people who want to use the word God as the puppet master and 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 who believe because everyone else does uh, because they believe in it and most people do that somehow it's acceptable to speak that way without being as inclusive as you can for people like me and I sometimes feel and when I've given big book studies and I talk about agnosticism people I always get people come up to me saying I'm afraid to talk at my meetings because I feel as if I would be offending people. And that is very sad, you know? So that's why I talk about my own particular truth, love, justice, and beauty. But believe me, in a completely inclusive uh, fellowship, I would not have to say my God is truth, love, justice, and beauty, because I also don't see any need for anyone to say my God, whom I choose to call X, is so-and-so. I, I don't see why anyone should have to say that. Is that an advertisement? Or, or what? You, you know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, I think it's important for people to understand that we have to be so inclusive as to include people who don't believe in what the majority of people in the room do. So, yeah, language is important, can be important. 
Thank you for the question and your answer. And Nancy P, you are up next. Hi. Um, thank you for calling on me, Robin. Laurie, that was, I've never heard you speak um, before, and it was excellent. And I felt really comfortable because I agree and have notes similar to yours in my own We Agnostics. And, you know, I've been in this program for quite some time. And I tried hard to believe in God. And I didn't try for 10 minutes. I didn't try for 10 months or even 10 years. I tried for 47 years to believe. And when I hit the wall and my life imploded and, you know, the shit hit the fan, if you'll forgive the expression, you know, I had to, I had to surrender. And everybody that I've ever talked to has heard me talk about that. But, you know, my agnosticism was the key to everything. My agnosticism, you know, when I said, no, I'm not, I don't, I'm, I, I can't believe or disbelieve. I don't not believe or believe. I prefer not to think about it, you know? And um, that, nobody died, especially not me when, I, when that happened. In fact, the exact opposite happened. I came back to life like a wilted plant. I became, you know, flush, you know, with life. And, um, and, you know, the book doesn't do a very good job of including us, including people like me. I don't, I agree with you, you know, I my, you know, it talks about when therefore we speak to you of God, we mean your own conception of God, and then they turn right around and start grooming me like a pedophile. Like the they try people. their best. Really and, truly, they, really and truly, they try the best within the context of their time. Yeah, well, they don't do They do a terrible job. So, okay. and I tell my own sponsees that, you know, like, well, you know, and I, I go on and on. I'm like, well, I don't like this word and I don't like that word. And I went from saying, you know, chucking God out the window and then, then I said, oh, it's my buddy. Now I don't even use that. Now I say uh, the, the, the cliche, the placeholder that I use is whatever it is that takes care of me. But boy, oh boy, does it take a good, does it do a good job? Like, I don't have to worry anymore. I don't have to worry, you know, because, you know, even though I don't have the, my new, my new metaphor is I don't have the plug that plugs in and, and, and whatever it is that takes care of me says, no problem. It's right over here. You didn't see it, but I have it right here. So it doesn't matter. Like I never have to worry about this power not doing its job. You know, we, we just got solar panels. We no longer have an electric bill. That's the same way as I feel like I get this thing that takes care of me in such a good way. And my agnosticism unlocked this whole epic this whole portal rather of um of recovery joy and light and you know i tried hard and now i don't try at all and my agnosticism did all the work for me i'm so grateful and, and you did a great great job talking about all this stuff is awesome thank you thanks nancy next up is jen followed by kay Hi, everyone. <clears throat> my name is Jen. I'm a compulsive overeater from Washington, D.C. Oh, my goddessness. I, <laughs> I just came on this meeting randomly. I try to pick a meeting I've never been to on a regular basis so I don't get too comfortable. Um, and I get to meet other compulsive overeaters. And boy, this is right up my alley. I'm just like, wowee. Um, so I, let me just chill for a minute. Um, yeah, I've been in and out of OA since 1986, uh, morbid obesity, weight loss surgeries, the whole nine yards. And this is, um, when I came back during the pandemic in my own apartment, um, by myself for many, you know, 
a long time, like many of us were. And again, I've never been to this meeting, so I don't know if I'm supposed to ask a specific question, but um, I'll try to keep my thoughts brief and you tell me what I'm doing wrong. But um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I have a higher power now. Um, I really tried to before make it a concept of God or try to call myself this or that atheist agnostic. I come from a family of Marxists. I was named after Karl Marx's wife, Jenny Marx. So what does that tell you? Um, and wow, you know, now I just don't, my part of my belief is I just don't need to know everything and I don't need to get, uh, I just know that there's something, a power greater than me and I don't need to understand it. That's, um, maybe Taoism is the closest thing, some kind of a, the way, you know, trying to align myself with very similar, similarly what, what Lori said, thank you so much about for me. And I always said, it's like something like truth and love and just, you know, same thing, you know, just try to align myself with that and know that when I'm, I'm in my disease, I can't really see it. Like, it needs to be lit up for me. And when I talk to other compulsive overeaters, it gets, the light starts to shine. So I don't know if that made any sense. I'm really glad to be here and that that's it for me, but so glad you all are here. I'll be back for sure. Thank you, Jen. We'll now um, stop the recording for unrecorded questions or shares. Would the Zoom host please stop the recording?